Listener Production. Hi there, Sasha Barber Gap with you for today's extra episode of The Briefing. If you're someone who celebrates Christmas, chances are you're looking forward to a big feast on the 25th, plenty of presents, the odd family do, or five, and soaking up all the season has to offer, especially after the long years of COVID. This time of year really does feel more important and special than ever before. I've always loved Christmas and genuinely enjoy putting together my to-do list and ticking things off in the lead up. But as I've gotten older, especially since meeting my partner and spending the holidays with his family as well as my own, I felt increasingly overwhelmed by the responsibility of pulling off the perfect day and making sure everyone around me enjoys themselves. It's totally self-imposed. No one's asking me to create a magazine-worthy Chrissy lunch or present them with expertly wrapped gifts. But nevertheless, I feel the pressure. A quick Google search revealed to me as well that a lot of women feel this way during the festive season, like the very success of the holiday comes down to them. But why? Well, today, the briefing's Antoinette Latouf and I are talking about the mental load of Christmas that too often falls on the shoulders of women and whether it's time that changed. Antoinette's also a columnist, social commentator and a mum. Antoinette, so nice to have you here to talk about this. I want to start by saying... We're not here to gang up on the blokes. There are plenty out there who pull their weight. And I also want to make the point, this does feel more like a societal issue that it's just the way things are, quote unquote. Let's start by you telling me what Christmas is like for your family. Who's Mm. organising what? Well, I have a huge family. I'm one of seven kids. There are 24 grandkids. And so it is an enormous festive feast season. Mm -hmm. But it is always the five sisters. I've got five sisters and two brothers. It's always the five girls. We've had so many WhatsApp conversations, conference calls about who's bringing what, who's doing what, what's on the menu. And also who jump into those conversations are the sister-in-laws. They're Mm -hmm. like, I'll bring this. I'm going to make the cocktails or whatever. And I love my brothers. They're fabulous men. They are busy just as we are. And on the day, they'll probably monitor the barbecue and do bits and pieces and help clean. But the planning, the secret Santa drawer of the names, the wish list of the gifts, all of that planning has come down to the sisters and my mother, and it has always been that way. That's right. And that's what it feels like. And it's funny, my mum, well, I guess it's not funny, but it's an interesting observation. My mum told me not too long ago, every year at Christmas, she'd have a little Menti B, she'd have a little breakdown. And I never noticed it as a kid, but as I've gotten older... I've come to understand the pressure she would feel at this time Mm. of year down to having to organise the logistics and the planning and all of that. Can you relate? Yeah, absolutely. And I want to talk to your point about structural inequalities and these deeply ingrained gender expectations because both you and I, say, identify as staunch feminists Mm -hmm. um, and yet we've we just kind of fall into doing this because it's an unspoken rule. And any time I talk about women carrying the load, the mental load and the physical load. I always have someone DMing me or coming up to me at an event and saying, well, my partner Peter actually does all the cooking at Christmas. Or others will say, well, I do more than my father ever did. And I'm like, thanks, Susan, for Peter's character reference. Or cheers, Andrew. (laughs) Like, I really like that you ambushed me at this event to pat yourself on the back. And even if that is true for you, and there would be the Peters and Andrews who are pulling their weight, it's not reflected broadly. And we have to keep talking about this to shift policies and attitudes so this is widespread and not the norm. Mm. Although if you want a gold star, mate, I'll give you one. <laughs> and I just wanted to point that out because we're talking about what we see replicated 
on a broad scale mm. that these gender inequalities and these attitudinal shifts are happening slowly because there's a big difference between what my father was like. He never didn't even, my father didn't even take his plate to the sink yeah. when yep. we were growing up. Mm-hmm. And then my brothers, who are far more involved on the home front and with their children, step in the right direction, but mm-hmm. we're not quite there yet. Yeah, you're right. And I think that's why it's important to have these conversations. And it's worth noting, and I want to get into the point of mental load, which I'm familiar with the term, but some of our listeners might not mm. be. And that's the point is that it's not that men or the males in the family aren't doing anything. It's that the women are carrying the mental load. So the definition I found, it said, it's thinking about your responsibilities, the details of the tasks that need to be completed, and the decisions you have to make to keep your life running. And it's invisible, hidden work. Mm. And I've noticed, like I said, naturally that, you know, I've just fallen into this role. Both of us have as people who identify as feminists. What is it about being women that sees us take on this responsibility? I think firstly, because the mental load is invisible and because it's unpaid, it automatically stems from those attitudes that this is domestic chores or this is domestic admin. And interestingly, in 2022, the Australian Institute of Family Studies actually tried to quantify it and look into it because we know it exists. We know anecdotally it's on women. And that it was confirmed in their research that in heterosexual households, this role almost always belongs to the woman. Flexible work and the pandemic have made things worse for that mental load yeah. and, and domestic chores where women, because you're doing the washing, well, I know I am, I'm doing the washing, I'm sorting out family logistics while on a conference call with the video off. Yeah, multitasking. And so it means that we're doing more of that domestic work. And so we've entered the workforce at unprecedented levels, which is to be applauded. But what hasn't happened is the shift in the household. Mm. It just means that overwhelmingly we're doing two jobs. I want to talk a bit more about the stats. So this is to do with the mental load in general and also the chore load for women at home. So the Bureau of Stats last year released a survey. Uh, It revealed on average females spent four hours and 31 minutes a day doing unpaid work activities. Males spent over an hour less on these activities, averaging three hours and 12 minutes a day. Less than half of men, 42%, spent time on housework compared to 70% of females. So Mm. like I said, this idea does stretch way past Christmas, which is really just a reflection of what it's like all the time for women. It is. And when we talk about this, uh, we do talk about households as a way to quantify it. And again, this data is interesting. It quantifies sort of like physical chores and that it doesn't quantify the mental load. That's Mm. harder to quantify. So true. And you'll always have those household exceptions and you can always rely on that. But things are getting better and they are. But more broadly, we need to still talk about the patriarchy. And when we talk about the patriarchy, it often pits women as whinges Mm -hmm. or ungrateful Mm -hmm. or that feminism, you know, it's a choice. You've chosen to work. You've chosen to have kids. Not all men. All all of that rhetoric still exists. And no, it's not about that. It's about dismantling the patriarchy, which yes, adversely affects women more greatly, but also what fails to often be injected into the conversation is that it isn't great for men either. When we note the alarming rates of male suicide, we note the alarming rates of male violence, and that studies show that men who spend more time in healthy relationships spend more time with their children in a caring role are psychologically better off. They live longer and happier lives. And so, yes, women are more adversely affected, Mm. but men aren't doing fabulously either. 
Yeah, you're 100% right. I couldn't agree more. And it's such a fabulous point. Look, there are some strategies that have been suggested by the Life Counselling Institute as a way to kind of shake things up and to get Mm. the men in your life to maybe think about it more. Because as we said, it does feel like it's just the way things are. So how are you going to affect change if you don't try and do anything in your own home? Make the Invisible Visible was their first one. So it's actually sitting down with your partner, writing out what you are saying. Here's everything I have to do. Mm they can then see, oh, that's a lot of work that you are trying to achieve at this time of year and having that discussion with them so they understand. Have you done anything like that? Well, in preparation for this conversation, I thought I actually looked at some of those pointers that you put together and I implemented some last night. I sat down with my husband. I was like, babe, I've organized X, Y, and Z. I would like you to do X, Y, and Z. And his response was, sure, babe, that's great. Mm. Which made me think, oh, Maybe I just needed to not assume it was all on me and have those conversations earlier. 100%. And I love that. And that's where one of the next points is divvying up tasks and also identifying unnecessary tasks. Like I said in my intro, I feel this pressure to, you know, get the perfect wrapping paper and the perfect Mm. ribbons. And it's like, why? Why? It's unnecessary. It's going to be ripped apart anyway. Like finding those little bits and whoever you are, whether you're a man or a woman, if you're finding yourself stressed, look at what you're doing and go, do I need to be be doing doing this? this?" Exactly. Another point they make is modelling for your children. So I'd love to hear your perspective on this. Yeah, this is super important because I have two daughters and I often say to my husband that they are the first man he's ever loved and the way he conducts himself in sort of in our relationship and in sharing the load is going to set them up for what their expectations are. And so interestingly, we model or have a lot of characteristics which defy gender stereotypes. My husband is more creative. He actually likes shopping more than I do and um, he's better at plaiting hair. And having said that, when it comes to cooking and the cleaning and the menu, that's still something that I probably jump in and dominate. That's probably where I need to model some better behaviour so that my kids can see that cooking isn't just something that chicks do. Yeah, not just for the women and blokes can clean as well. And look, the last one is talking about advocating and the fact that it's a systemic issue and we can't just solve it at Christmas time. We have to look at our behaviour the whole year round. Yeah, absolutely. Like one one response to housework inequality that I wanted to point out um, that, you know, I love the Scandinavians. They're always so progressive and do interesting things um, is like monetizing domestic work. Often we we pay someone to complete it. So you might have a cleaner or someone who helps you with your ironing. And what's currently being applied in Sweden, the government actually subsidizes families for their outsourced domestic work. Um, through tax breaks. Um, you know, Swedish families may, uh, encouraged to hire maid services to help with the domestic load. So to support women and men in the workforce, they acknowledge that there is a load at home yeah. that somebody has to do. I couldn't agree more. I think it's really important to have these conversations and to shine a light for people who might not see it. So if you're listening to this and you're struggling with your mental load, sit down with your significant other and go, hey, here's everything I'm doing. How can we divvy this up better? And be proud of terrible wrapping. It's going to be, it is going to be ripped open anyway. <laughs> Antoinette, thank you. Thanks. That was The Briefing's Antoinette Latouf, who is also a mother, columnist and social commentator chatting with me there. And if you are feeling overwhelmed right now for whatever reason, you can contact Lifeline for free and confidential support on 13 11 14. That's it for today's extra episode. Thanks for joining us. The Weekend Briefing will be back in your feed tomorrow. Listener.